I would say to anyone, back yourself and back yourself now. Do not go another minute without backing yourself because you are capable of so much more Mm. than you probably realize. And the only thing stopping you is yourself. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Lost and Searching, previously known as the Mindful Leader Podcast. Here in Season 2, we're focusing on the theme of stress and breakdowns. And today, we are speaking with a woman named Liana. Now, she's been really, really cool to speak with. I love her energy so much. And uh, she talks us through some of her own personal challenges, especially over the COVID period with her entrepreneurship journey. And she talks about being in a space that I'm actually somewhat familiar with that has this really big focus on vision and on goal setting. And she walks us through how that helped her overcome some of the challenges that she talks to us about. Now, very briefly, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that if you enjoy the show, you could really help me out by filling out a survey that I am still running. It would help me out so much. You'd be in a chance to win a giveaway. More about that in the description. So let's get into it. Self-sabotage is our conscious and our subconscious resisting, you know, the conflict between the conscious and the subconscious, and it's that resistance that we are trying to understand and overcome. How people become aware of how their minds work. What are their default settings? Do they tend to be overly optimistic or overly pessimistic? All of us have the same regrets when we die. All of us have pretty much the same regrets. Why didn't I live truer to my own purpose? Why was I swayed by other people's ideas of what I should do? Many leaders feel that they have to be perceived as bold and strong and courageous. And there's almost this thought that a lot of people have in which they feel they can't show others that they're weak. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings. All right, Liana. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm really, really excited to speak to you, not least of all, because I love your energy and I I really resonate with it so much. So yeah, just looking forward to hearing more about you and kind of what you've learned through the space you work in. So maybe just start us off with uh, a little bit about who you are and what you do. It's really great to be here, Seven. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you all. Um, so I'm originally from California and I came over to the UK about 17 years ago and I was supposed to stay for six months and I didn't go back. At, <laughs> and at the time, it was completely and totally unexpected and yet not. I'd always been really drawn to communication, so public relations, advertising. And so when I came over to London and I landed an internship at a startup fashion PR company, and then they offered me a job, it was, you know, perfect timing. I also met a guy my first night out in London and we totally hit it off. And so I came over here initially thinking I was going to stay for six months and Less than a year later, I had a job and a husband and I never went back. <laughs> nice. And you know what? It's really funny because I'm, I'm from California as well as, as regular listeners will probably know. Um, so I know what that journey over is like. And for me, this is very much home. A lot of people from here will be like, um, why would you leave California? Why would you come to this gray, you know, gross city, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, actually, I, I prefer it here. And they all think I'm insane. So I'm glad I'm not alone in, in that, right? <laughs> Totally. I love it here. I think, you know, nowhere is perfect. 
but I came to the UK and I, I felt like I was home. Mm. It felt like I was always supposed to be here. It was a vibe. It was a way of looking at things. It was a sense of humor. I think perspective on maybe how was a society we could exist together. That was so far from what I had experienced in America and yet not so far that it felt completely and totally foreign. Right. What did you experience in America? Well, when I left, it was the George W. era Mm. and everything just felt so conservative. Mm. And by that, I mean against progress. And I'm a very progressive person. I'm a a quite liberal person. Mm. And I found in the UK, there was this I guess like a, a, a an understanding that of course people should have health care. Of course, you know, there should be a safety net for folks who are, find themselves unemployed. Like it, it's not even an argument, you know? Yeah. And and that was the thing that I found and I still find so reassuring is that I don't live in a place where we're arguing about things that I just hold to be fundamental truths. Sure. Sounds like a very kind of general point at first, but actually the reason that kind of thing is interesting to me is because when I speak to American guests on this show, it never really comes up. And uh, and it, initially it's because it doesn't seem all that relevant, but actually these these small things impact our, our ability to be ourselves a lot, right? I've heard stories of like, so over here, if we want to go to the GP, say we think something's wrong, right? I've got a little lump behind my ear. Is it cancer or is it nothing? In the States, it's like $700 or something stupid for like one visit, even if I have insurance sometimes, right? And it's, which in itself is a, is a huge problem I don't like. It starts to break down. This is the reason I find it so interesting is I feel like it causes a breakdown in the way we view each other and the way we work together. So what do I mean by that? We are all connected fundamentally because we're all human. We are all always going to be far more similar than we will ever be different from one another. So to be in a constant state where literally everything is like dog eat dog, right? And everything is, you know, revolving around money and if you can and what can I get from you? I just find that incredibly unhealthy. And to me, it's it's no wonder that you know, even even things like the fact um, all of our social media platforms, bar, I guess, TikTok, were all developed, you know, in America. It doesn't really surprise me that a lot of these issues are therefore permeating all over the world and into our daily lives in the modern day, um, as opposed to a sense of unity or community or understanding each other and empathy, you know. So those are the things I, I much prefer to to support but it it feels like that can be hard to find sometimes what's what's your experience with that that kind of thing and looking for that community and finding your your you were finding your community basically coming over here finding your community what was your experience with that like so when i came over here i was a student and mm. so i had you know a a loose group of friends that i had met coming over i had my internship which turned into a job and you know, I, I leaned on the founder of, of that company, not a lot, but a lot. Mm. And, and she was a a bit like a sister to me. I learned so much from her about work and, you know, relationships. And, and she was just always 
there. Yeah. And then I had my husband and, you know, he's still, you know, someone who I lean on a lot. He knows me really, really well. And he's someone that I can talk to. And then I have my family and I talk to my family all of the time. And, mm. and it's funny when I was in the UK or I, you know, I still am, my sister actually was in Australia. So she left the States at the same time and she went over to Australia. And, you know, this is when we didn't have Skype at the time. That was probably about three or four years into my, my journey living in the UK, but you know, we would email and this and that. And so I've never had trouble finding community. I think also because I find a lot of joy being by myself right okay (laughs) like i i'm i sometimes i'm a little bit too insular sure uh especially over the the past god what feels like two years but i think it's been like 20 something months or whatever it's crazy there's a lot of lockdown that i really actually enjoyed because i do really love being in my own company yeah and i realized that during this time that that i enjoy it but you know something that you were saying before that I think is quite interesting when you look at America and the healthcare system and entrepreneurship. I remember my mom always said, you know, I had this great idea for a business called bills in a bag. Um, and it was, you would take people's bills. Cause at the time, you know, you had paper bills. This is before like electronic billing. So sure. like your phone bill, your this bill, your that bill. And she was like, and I would pick people's bills up and then I would pay them for them. Cause that's how she ran it in our, in our family. Mm. And she was like, I could have made a fortune doing that. But my dad, had his own business. He was a self-employed dentist and she had a, 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 an employment, like an employed job. Mm. And so she had healthcare. And so she could never set up her own business because how would we have healthcare? The mm. healthcare came through her job because my dad was self-employed. And so oh, see. her entrepreneurial dreams, you know, were put paid. And she was like, and that wasn't the only business idea I had. And if you think about it, you know, someone, uh, you know, I advise founders that makes so much sense because at the time there wasn't a technical way, Mm. you know, you couldn't use technology to pay your bills. So someone had to physically get the bills, write the checks. It was laborious. And if someone said to you and she was, she was an accountant at the time, Oh, I will do that for you. Totally. She could have made money. And because she's always been really tech savvy, she would have naturally then turned that into a digital business because she yeah. always used to do her taxes on TurboTax and this, that, and the other. But because healthcare is not something that you can just access, mm. you know, kind of free at the point of delivery, she couldn't afford to start a business because the family needed the healthcare. That is and that's just not a concern. Yeah. That's not a concern that you have in the UK. No, exactly. But if you think about how many people can't start a business because they need healthcare. Mm. Right. How strange. And you know what? It's it's been exploring this this issue a lot because um, it very much feels like if we want to become an entrepreneur or become a leader. Right. This podcast is kind of aimed at leadership of all kinds. Um, it is it can be risky. And the thing is, if your environment makes it too risky, you won't do it. And who knows how much innovation, uh, invention, creativity, solutions, who knows how much we're missing out on as a result. That's kind of one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about. We connected because you run a small business called Inspiration Space. And this is... um, be like it's it's essentially a community uh, a lot of community aspects to it and i'm i've been a part of this community 
And what it inevitably means is that similar to myself, who's also a part of communities like this and running communities like this, I'm speaking to lots of entrepreneurs about their struggles and their issues. And one thing that's come up a lot is risk, right? Um, if it's too risky or too hard to get a startup loan because of the environment said, you know, the like banks and, and the financial environment says it's not okay, or you need to hit this, this and this. And so people just don't start or they try to start and then the motivation and energy gets sucked out of them real fast, right? So walk me through your experience of speaking to founders or aspiring founders like this, the main issues they're feeling and kind of the things that that you would look at to overcome them. I think what's interesting is that every business goes through a similar journey. So I've been an entrepreneur now for three and a bit years. And when you talk about risk, it's quite funny because part of the reason why I started Inspiration Space was because of my own fear of risk. You know, sure. it wasn't the first business idea that I had, but it was one that I a felt genuinely inspired by, like motivated in my gut to to do it. But also it was something that I could do with the resource that I had available, you know. Mm. So if you think about, you know, any retail aspirations or if I wanted to have a product or any of those other ideas that I had come up with, those all felt too risky because immediately I'm thinking to myself, well, how am I going to get the money to make this or where, you know, how, how would I actually do it? I don't have that resource right in front of my face. So my initial idea was around leveraging the resource I had in front of my face, technology, Mm. my own passion and enthusiasm, my experience working with brands and creating grassroots campaigns to target niche communities, you know, for global brands and, and, and just bringing all that together to satisfy this inner need that I had to inspire people who wanted to start Mm. businesses, right. Or who had businesses and just couldn't creatively see beyond what they were doing every single day. Yeah. And I think that, that was my experience. And I'm always really taken by folks who have product businesses, businesses that have like a a significant financial outlay in the beginning, Mm -hmm. because I know that I wasn't brave enough to do that. Mm. But Everyone will have that moment where the light bulb goes off and they're like, I'm going to do this, every business owner. And then it's a a case of figuring out, well, how do you do it? Yeah. And every entrepreneur will then figure out how they do that. And some folks will decide, you know, I'm going to bring a product to the market. And so I will, you know, sell my car and I'll ask, you know, some friends for some money Mm. and, you know, I'll mortgage the house or, you know, I'll move in with my parents or, you know, people figure out a way to make it work. And the reason why they figure out a way to make it work is because that internal burning desire Mm. supersedes fear. Right. And that's how you know you're on to something when you're so excited by it that you're no longer afraid and you just start moving almost unconsciously. Then at that stage, it's really just a matter of backing yourself. That's really interesting. So uh, there might be a little exercise within here somewhere where if we're, if we're, and I was having a conversation earlier today, funny enough, about motivation, right? And I feel like I've been having this conversation a lot. So how do you know if you're motivated? How do you build motivation? It sounds like there might be an exercise in here where we go, well, if you're so motivated that you have such a burning desire that your fear gets stripped away, maybe you're onto something. And I love the thought of that, right? That, of course, begs the question for me, though, is 
if you don't feel that motivation or you do, but sometimes things go wrong, right? Say your mental health takes a turn. What do you do? How do you get it back on track? How do you support yourself through that? Say you have an amazing idea, but you're just having a bad day, right? What do we do? Everyone has bad days. Yeah. Everyone has bad days. I think for me, the motivation is what gets me through the bad day. And that's how you know, or that's how I know mm. I'm on the right track. Cause I've definitely had moments where I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired. I'm done. Sure. You know, I, I want a job. I want a steady income. You know, yeah. like <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. This is too hard. And then I think, well, what would I do instead? And then I, I remember this moment where it was June, 2020, and it was, you know, the darkest parts of the pandemic in a lot of ways. And mm. I was absolutely exhausted. And I was on LinkedIn at 3 a.m. looking for a job. And then yeah. I said to myself, oh, my God, you're unemployable. You've been <laughs> working for yourself I know exactly. I know exactly how that feels. It's <laughs> really stressful, isn't it? It's like, oh, my God, what do I do now? And, and, the, and everything starts to set in. It feels like the world is shrinking and you're being pushed into like a little cage. And it feels horrible, doesn't it? Well, for me, it was I started to laugh. I mean, I'm, I have a. Oh, yeah. My sense of humor drives everything. I think that's also the reason why I love being in the UK. I, I laugh that. probably inappropriately, <laughs> but I just, my first instinct is to always laugh. And so, I love it. you know, I'm, I'm looking outside of myself and it's 3 a.m. on the sofa and I'm looking at LinkedIn and I'm like, girl, you're unemployable. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't get a job. You're not going back in there. You know, you're not going back in there. So it. you're gonna have to figure out how to make it work. And so I had to figure out how to make it work. And I actually, I did a vision boarding uh, workshop. One of my members is this, she's a motivational coach and everyone had been raving about it. And I did that the, like two days later and I removed the block. Mm. And I remember when I was doing it, there was this, I, I saw this little bit in a magazine and it said, um, now's the time to cut your losses. And I cut it out and I said to myself, okay, I'm not going to put it on the board, mm. but I'm going to save it. And I'm going to save it because it's okay to stop because mm. this is a journey. Yeah. And for me, this is about learning. And if I stop, no one's going to take away what I've learned. No one's going to take away the relationships that I've made. I love that. I'll take that and I'll apply it to something else. So this isn't some zero sum game that I've got to mm. kill myself and keep going. Even when I genuinely just don't want to do it. Yeah. But I need to ask myself, why do I want to stop? Do I want to stop because I don't want to do it anymore? Cool. That's a good reason not to do something Yeah. because I don't have the motivation anymore. But if I want to stop because I'm tired, maybe I need to take a nap. Yeah. If I want to stop because I'm stressed, maybe I need to think about what's stressing me out and try and unpack that. You know, it's, 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 it is this, it is this journey. And so for me, there's this constant bit of being like, I'm motivated because I know I'm motivated, but I'm never going to push myself beyond that point where it mentally feels uncomfortable. And okay. what do I mean by that? I mean that you've got to get out of your comfort zone. Sure. You know, yeah, I'm really 100%. good about getting out of my comfort zone. Mm. And sometimes it feels like I'm being dragged towards a cliff and I'm like, I really, really, really don't want to jump. And you get closer and you're like, okay, let's go. And then you do it and you're like, hey, 
it's not that bad. You know, because, you know, I always think of startup life is, or any business, it's an experiment. Sure. So you, you do the thinking about the experiment, you get everything together, and then you have that moment, you're like, oh my God, okay, we're going to turn it on. Is it going to work? Is it going to work? And I always get really nervous around that bit. And then I press play and I close my eyes and I'm like, is it working? Is it on? I'm like, okay. And then you just kind of deal with it from there. And so long as I, I continually want to, you know, press play and, and that, whilst it feels uncomfortable, it doesn't feel bad, then that's fine. I think the other sure. thing that I've learned is as the stakes have got higher, my resilience has grown. Okay. And that's a great thing. So it's the same, I think of it like training, you know, like phys- physical fitness. Yeah. You know, the first time you run, like you need to couch to 5K and you run a mile and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have a heart attack. And then you do that a few times. And then maybe the third time you do it, oh, that's not so bad. And then you do three miles and you, and you keep, and you keep going and you realize that where you started and where you are now are very different places. And therefore you're stronger, you're fitter, you're healthier. And so then you keep pushing. Mm. And that's the kind of motivation that I'm looking for. It's this inner desire to keep going Mm. but with the i think the clarity and the confidence to know that i'm in the driving seat and it's okay to stop the word that comes to my mind when you were speaking there is the word breaking right or feeling broken because i've uh used to struggle a lot with coming out of my comfort zone and now it's like second nature but there's this underlying feeling that I've seen within lots of peers, within myself, within the conversations that I have with new entrepreneurs that I meet and people like yourself that I even have on this show, um, where there's a, a, a line, right? And once you cross that line, you go from being, you go from being under, under stress to there's no stress anymore because it's just broken. It's been broken in half. You've ripped it apart. The, the actual tension is gone and you're just broken now. And that is, that is for me, that line is incredibly hard to see. And what I feel like I'm noticing is that it's a hard for a lot of us to see. So I'm not, I'm not at all special or unique in that way. It's, it can be, um, you, you mentioned there's a, a, almost a zero-sum game here it feels like we need to keep going i need to need to achieve i can't take breaks um and i wonder why that is i mean my experience growing up has been if i'm not working like my or i should say my life growing up taught me that if i'm not currently working or achieving something then i'm being lazy and i'm a problem and and i'm a burden right and that was that was a big part of my narrative as a result of the way i grew up I'm interested to know kind of why do you feel like whether this is through yourself or through people that you know through your work and your startup and your community, um, why why do you feel like we will just keep going until we're broken, you know, and and not know when to stop? So I think there's a few things there. Mm. What you're describing is the difference between stress and distress. Okay. Stress is a good thing, mm-hmm. right? You need that pressure. Mm-hmm. Once you tip over into distress, though, we've we've lost the line. And so it's this constant trying to keep the balance. It's healthy stress. And what I see as a common thread time and time again with when things get out of balance and when I've been out of alignment, the thing is lack of clarity, 
lack of focus. Because oftentimes what happens is we don't know what we want. And so we're just going through the motions. And because we've been conditioned to, you know, to think certain things because of our childhood, what we read, what we look at, whatever, we have all of these narratives in our own heads. Yeah. Some of them are true. Some of them are not. And so because we can't see what we want and we aren't actually in control, we just keep going and it's like more, 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 more. Oh, I can't stop. It's my fault. More. Why am I not selling anything? Because I'm not active enough yeah. on social media. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to keep posting. I'm going to keep posting. I'm going to keep posting. But it's like, well, what do you want? Mm. And then with the focus, it's too much information. Mm. So you've got everything that you've got to think about life. So, and everything you've got to think about business plus everything about yourself. So if you think about your head sitting side by side is what you want to eat for dinner. Have I put the dishes away? How, what's our cash flow? You know, all of this is all sitting together yeah. and, and then it's just overwhelming. You're like, what is, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? And so what I advise, and this is what I do for myself is have a vision. You have got to see where you want to go. Because then you can decide if opportunities that come your way are worth pursuing. Mm. And then you have to have ruthless focus. You have got to be able to say no and say, nope, that doesn't match. That's not going to fit. That's not going to help me get to where I want to go faster. And so it's a no. And then I think the third part of that is rest. You have to rest because we're human beings. And if you're a creative person, you have, you're generating a lot of energy, creativity, ideas, that's energy, right? Mm. And so if you're always on the go, generating, 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 of course, you're going to feel tired. So you have to build in rest. It's, it's like an athlete. If anyone said, oh yeah, I've got my, if you went to a, a performance coach and they're like, yeah, I have my athletes running like eight hours 12 hours a day. People are like, that's nuts. Like no rest in between. <laughs> rest is so important. And that's mm. got to be baked in in the same way. If I'm talking to a business owner, your business plan, your cash flow, your marketing, yeah. where's your rest? Where's your rest? Yeah. That's a really good question. Uh, uh, from my perspective, personally, I don't, um, I think, something I don't appreciate is how much I've grown as a result of rest. And I'm, I wonder if, if this is something all of us can do and we can look back and do a little, you know, thought process activity where we think, well, or from, I, I should say, uh, using myself as an example, um, I'm very good with reflection, right? The skill of reflection and being a self-introspective person is something I really try hard to do. And it's because I learn best by making mistakes, right? Um, I learn best by doing, and uh, that's only possible, that only works if I'm able to say, well, this is why that was useful, right? This is why, this is how it feels for this to be wrong. This is how it feels for me to get it right. So now I know how to do it right. Um, but it, that doesn't happen magically, right? I need to um, spend time consciously thinking about it, uh, and feeling it. But here's the really interesting thing that someone once shared with me is that sometimes we don't need to think too much about it because our subconscious will do so much of the work for us, right? You know, all the stuff around how much, uh, how many thoughts we have every day, like 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Well, how many of them do we consciously have 
the vast minority, like it's a tiny amount of them, right? Our subconscious is doing lots of processing for us. So if we spend a bit of time with active reflection and enough time resting whilst caring about improving, our subconscious starts to improve our abilities. So you've used the example of, well, physical training and physical exercise. I think that's um, an example that is easier for us to understand, but it does very much apply to the mental, to um, emotional, to mistakes that we've made, right? And rest helps us improve at those too. Um, that That's a really fascinating idea to me. I love that. Well, it's mm. it, it just makes sense, you know? People need breaks. And I think if you're focused and you know what you want, it's easier to take the breaks because a lot of the time people are running around being busy fools. An analogy sure. that I often use is, you know, you think about your head. Like, so sometimes my head will just have all of, it feels like dust, you know, Wiley Coyote from Looney Tunes and he's running around, running around, running around, making all this dust. And that's sometimes what my head looks like. And then like, you know, I stop and the dust starts to settle and I realize I've been making all the dust. Sure. I've been the one running around over and over and over and over and over again, consumed by my own thoughts, and I've made the dust. Mm. And if, in fact, I just sit down somewhere and take a breath, everything is fine. And that's why I'm a big advocate of planning your day so that you build in your rest, you know, um, make meetings with yourself, basically. Yeah. So I'll have depending on what it is that I have to do, I will block out and I'll say no meetings, flow state, because I know that I work best for anything that's focused writing, anything like that. I'm best at certain times of the day. And then I put in, you know, the gym and I exercise, I box two to three times a week and I put that in. And so it's just non-negotiable and obviously things shift or whatever, but it's about showing myself, A, I am a priority and that I'm not going to allow my diary to get filled up with what everybody else wants. Mm -hmm. And B, if I'm going to deliver what everybody else wants and what I want, I need rest. I need exercise. You know, there are just certain things that I need and it's not negotiable because otherwise I'm no good to anybody. Sure. And the idea that there are times of the day we work best, that's a fascinating concept to me. Like, I, I know I feel that. I've had lots of people say that to me. The idea of putting yourself in a flow state. The, when are we most creative? Normally it's in the mornings, which is really interesting. Although different people might be different. That to me is really powerful. So there are two questions I want to ask you off the back of all this. Number one is kind of regarding that vision. So walk us through in a little more detail. When you talk about vision, what do you really mean by that? Right? You've talked about vision boarding. You've talked about setting yourself goals, but when you think about a vision, really and truly, what is it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And how do you make it? For me, a vision is that it's me reaching my full potential. Okay. Because what I love about entrepreneurship is it feels like one of the only vehicles that I have as an individual to reach my full potential. Because in a job, you know, unless I'm at the top, of the chain, it's always subject to someone else's opinion, you know, of, of what I've done or haven't done. Whereas entrepreneurship, it just feels like I've, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. And if I am in control, I can do this as, you know, as big as I want. And so for me, it's about just reaching my full potential. And 
I'm very motivated by empowerment and inspiring other people to feel that same way. Like, of course you can. Don't let the system tell you you can't. Don't let, you know, somebody else's opinions tell you you can't. Sure, there are facts, but you are an individual. And if this is the world that you want to live in, of course you can. So for me, that's my vision is to be able to look back and be like, wow, I did that. I rose to the occasion. Nice. You know, I rose to the occasion for myself and I laid it all out there and I did it. And that vision will change as I get older. It's, you know, it's changed a lot from when I started. Of course. Yeah. And what's great about it is that it's expanding and it's becoming more ambitious. Sure. And that's part of what I love about entrepreneurship is the personal development journey that I've been on. And I think for anyone, the best place to start when you're building a vision is to think about what you don't want to do. Because it's very difficult to think about what you do want to do because sure. it's like, well, what do you mean? Do I, like, you know, but what I don't want to do is a real easy list. Yeah. And then once you write that list of what you don't want to do, then you can start to say, okay, well, what's left? If I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. You know, it's like, I don't want to work for anybody else in, in that way. Or for me at the time, it was like, I don't want to commute into London. You know, I, I don't want to have to you know, work on projects that I'm not inspired by that don't deliver a social good. Once I had that list of the things that I didn't want to do, then I could build from what was left. And that was so much easier. So Mm. I think if you're struggling with vision, take 10 minutes and just write out what I call the not to do list and just write out all the things you don't want to do. Mm. There's a real sense of clarity there, isn't there? With a vision... Uh, that is powerful, you will kind of understand all the details of what what life will look like, right? This is what the business will look like. This is how many people we engage. So for example, for yourself, it's 50,000, right, that you want to be engaging with on your community. Things like that, really clear details. And you know what your life's going to look like too. So this is what the thing I'm leading is, whether it's my business, my community, but also this is how it's going to interact with my life and what my life's going to look like. And that real sense well, of clarity, theory. theoretic. Okay. So walk us through that. So what, so, so what do you mean by that? Because I think the important thing to always, always remember is you do not have control. Mm. That's what I found so interesting about 2020. We were all walking around like with our feelings hurt. Yeah. How dare you? It's like, we've never had control. Mm. We've never had control. It's just, This was unprecedented. You know, there are certain things we can assume to be true, Mm -hmm. but it was a nice reminder. You don't have any control. Mm. You can, and that's what the vision is. The vision is like, this is this highest peak. Sure. This is my utopia. Sure. And this is what I'm working towards. But you're probably not even necessarily going to get there in the way that you want. And by the time you get to that vision of like, so for me, it's 50,000 people through our programs. By the time I get to that, my vision will be so much bigger than that because Mm. it will, so, you know, so much will have happened along the way. And it's just this under, it's submission. You don't have control. The only thing you can really control is yourself to a certain extent. And, you know, there's an argument to say that you can't, even control that if you think about, you know, illnesses and cancer and things like, you know, so there's no control. Mm. And by understanding that and by accepting that, and I think by submitting to that, it can give you a a, a sort of a peace of mind 
where it's like, all right, well, if I don't have any control, then all I really have to do is my best. Mm. I just have to show up every day and do my best because that's all I can do. I don't have control over anything else. Yeah, it's a freeing idea, right? And something uh, someone once said to me, which is stuck with me whenever I think or talk about vision, is a vision is that end goal regardless of how you get there. So if something changes halfway through, or like you said, something unfortunate comes up and gets in your way. It could be a pandemic, it could be personal health, whatever. That doesn't mean the vision disappears. It just means how you get there might need to shift or it might take longer. But the other great thing you said there, and I, I very I know very well from personal experience, is before you get there, it probably will have changed, right? You can keep updating that vision. The, uh, it's the idea um, I've talked about on, I think, on other podcasts before of, well, the person I'm striving to be is myself in the future, but that same point in the future, right? I'm striving to be myself in five to 10 years, but in five to 10 years, I'll be striving to be myself in five to 10 years because so I, I will never have that end goal. And that's what I, what's so powerful about some of the most impressive and inspiring visions that I've heard of myself or when people like yourself talk to me about their visions and I'm like, ah, this is really inspiring, right? That's why. And the, the other question I wanted to ask you, so you talked a little bit about, um, when you've got this really clear vision, you get to then be really ruthless about what you say yes to and no to, and does this serve that vision? But I guess my question is how, right? So how does that vision serve what you choose to do or not? So for example, if someone comes to me and says, I'd love for you to be on my podcast, um, well, that is part of my vision, theoretically requires getting myself out there. But what if for whatever reason I've decided they're not right for me, right? So how do I decide whether or not something is in line with that vision or not? Essentially is the question. So to your earlier point about the learning by doing, I also learn by doing. Mm. Um, and so this goes to something that I like to call uh, burnt fingers learning. Okay. <laughs> You make the mistake enough times and then you can look at the scars and be like, I remember what happened the last time I did that. And so when my, when I first started, I said yes to everything. And I think that was a good thing. Okay. I think that was a good thing, you know, because that helped me to learn what works, what doesn't work because I learn by doing. Sure. Now that I've learned enough by doing, I learn by being. Mm. And I, I, I take a lot more time to decide to do things, but that's been an evolutionary process. And so what I would say is you always have to weigh up what is the opportunity and then what is the opportunity cost? So sometimes something, you know, just really doesn't feel right and it's obvious. So the opportunity cost might be your reputation, your time, mm. whatever, other things may come your way and it, and it seems like it's, it, it makes sense, but you dig a little bit deeper and you're like, ah, but how much time I spend doing that is actually going to take away from the time that I could be doing something else. And the output of the something else overall is going to generate a better return than this. Okay. And that's why you need to have 
that vision and and this is where that ruthless focus comes in and why you need goals and you need to almost be quite disciplined depending on what it is like it, it might be lists if you run a business or you are a leader and you've got you know a, a heavy workflow you might want to do what I love like Gantt charts so you can actually see it because then you're like okay well these are the priorities and if it's not this, it can't be done. Mm -hmm. And so then it's like no hard feelings. You know, it's not a no, it's just a not now. Sure. And you have to be able to do that. Otherwise, you will always be subject to what other people want. And then you'll lose control of your own journey. Sure. And for those of us who are particularly struggling with motivation or anyone who's listening who's just having a period of time where they're struggling with motivation, like we talked about earlier, how do you be more disciplined? Oh, I always have a funny, a funny thing about that. So okay. I've, uh, I've recently been, I've had, I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD mm -hmm. and you often hear adults that have had their ADHD diagnosis being like so much about my life makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So much about the things that I couldn't do all the time. People said, why don't you just, why don't you just, why don't you just, and you're like, I just can't. And now that I've got this diagnosis, I'm like, it all makes sense. And so I think discipline, how I've evolved discipline for my own self, you know, before I, I had my diagnosis and I kind of knew what was wrong was a self-awareness. So who are you, who, you know, how, what are your strengths? Mm -hmm. How do you thrive? Remove anything that, that doesn't serve. So for me, there's just certain things that I, I just don't do because I'm not good at them. They distract me. It's going to take me too long. And so it's just, let's just remove it. Okay, things it's like not what? a case of me trying to, so, oh, I'm trying to think of it. I've, I've removed so much of it now. I'm like, I don't know. Like it's none of it's on. It's like all gone. Yeah. It's all gone. Um, I'm assuming like certain work, like dealing with the finances or, you know, crap that you just well, don't actually, enjoy I'm one business. of those people who quite enjoys the finance part. Cause I like the numbers. Cause I think the numbers tell a story. Nice. Um, and I, and I get real into it, but you know, it's things like admin. Okay, so I have sure. a, a company secretary who looks after things like filing the accounts or okay. the, 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 all the admin with HMRC, because one of my biggest fears was like waking up in the, like I'd wake up in the middle of the night being like, Oh my God, what will happen if like, you know, I get like some gigantic tax bill that I wasn't expecting, or I don't file a paper and, 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 you know, the company gets struck off. And I just like, could not like the anxiety yeah. of the, what if, was literally making me panic. So I invested in someone whose job it is to make sure that that doesn't happen. Okay. And now I don't worry about it. Perfect. It's like not on my list anymore, you know? And so I think with discipline in the first instance, it's about, okay, what's motivating me? You have to have something to motivate you because okay. that's the thing that you're, that's the thing that you're like, Oh, I'm kind of tired, ah, but <laughs> you want this. And then you'll kind of get up and do it. Yeah. Again, that rest, you may, I think a lot of us will find that by the end of the day, our quote unquote willpower starts to go out the window Yeah, because we're tired. Yeah. You know, the brain is kind of like a muscle, even though it's not. So, you know, rest is, is great for discipline. I think having a targeted list of things you want to achieve, but making them really reasonable. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, oh, I'm going to do 15 things today. What I now do is, okay, I'm going to be able to probably achieve one big thing and, or three smaller things. Okay. 
And then depending on what it is that I have to do, I try and divide it up accordingly. All of this to say, discipline is something that is quite mindful and something that you have to work at. And I think something that you've got to be very kind and gracious with yourself about, because a lot of, I know my preconceived notions about discipline comes from an atypical experience where it's no problem to just sit there and do what you're told. It's no problem to stay focused and listen in class or to read the thing. You know, my brain doesn't work like that. So I think about discipline in a different way. And I suppose it's really around boundaries and removing anything that is not going to serve me so that I'm basically not a danger to myself. I'm just, you know, I'm getting out of my own way by having fewer choices. So things like I basically wear a uniform. I have three, I've got this, I wear the same things every day and I alternate. I've got like four t-shirts in the same color, three pairs of sweatpants in different colors, some socks. And I just, I mindlessly put them on. I I eat eat the same kind of, right. I eat the same kind of three or four things. Like I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to add any more choices than the ones I already have to make. Mm, interesting and that helps i guess in a way that would help with that help with those distractions you mentioned right but then different people might be a little different they might like the choice or i don't know i guess what i'm trying to figure out is what is the preferred like maybe there isn't one because we're all different but like what is the the optimal balance for achieving some of these really lofty goals for having a vision that is really audacious and really difficult and actually being able to work for it what really helps us get there there probably is no one answer to that i think there is okay patience okay how so patience because none of this stuff happens overnight sure it doesn't happen overnight Mm. so you need patience because patience and understanding that you need patience is what allows you to rest because you know that you're not going to get there any faster by working 24 hours in a day you're not going to get there any faster by not going to the gym because you want to do something else. Like, yes, there are priorities, but this takes time. And I think one of the biggest lies in business that we're told is that whole story. You know, I started at my table and then I IPO'd. No one talks about all the crap in between. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that it takes a long time. This is patience. And so if you know at the start, it's about patience you will have more joy because you won't say no to, you know, going to meet your friends or going for a walk, the things that maybe feel frivolous because you'll know that not doing those things is not going to get you any closer to where you're trying to go because this is a long journey. Yeah. There's one final question I want to ask you to wrap this up. If you needed to give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? That's a good one. I would say back yourself, Mm. back yourself a lot earlier. Why? I think if I would have known now what I, or rather if I would have known then what I know now, I would have been bolder and braver a lot earlier because it's not that I didn't have the skill. It's that I didn't have the belief. Mm. And I would say to anyone, back yourself and back yourself now. Do not go another minute without backing yourself because 
you are capable of so much more mm. than you probably realize. And the only thing stopping you is yourself. And if you're anything like me, um, or at least the way that I was, sometimes it still creeps in where I don't want to back myself because I don't believe I deserve to be backed by anyone, let alone myself, you know, then that's going to be really difficult to take on. But I think some of what you shared with us today uh, is actually, unsurprisingly, and some of the tips and some of the methods and some of the thoughts that help you learn that actually, even if, if you're going through a difficult time, that like, that is achievable to believe you can back yourself and then actually do it. Even if you're in a difficult place, some of the stuff we've talked about today actually might help you do it. I love how all that wraps together. So we're going to, we're going to bring it to a close there. Liana, where can people find you, learn more about you uh, and about inspiration space? So you will find us on the inspirationspace.co on Instagram and you will find us at www.theinspirationspace.co on the World Wide Web. And if you are thinking about starting a business or you have a business, don't want to do it alone, you need that motivation and community support alongside mentorship, then, you know, come and join. Love it. And I'll put all those links down below and, and any other links uh, of Liana's that we want to share. So go down there for all of those. But thank you so much for joining me today. Liana has been a really fun one. I've loved having you on. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. It's been wonderful chatting with you. Right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sharing our stories like this can be very difficult, but we find it really important. Important for leaders and especially young leaders, for those of you listening to know that you are not alone in experiencing mental health challenges. A final reminder before we close that across the season, I'm running that giveaway. All you need to do is fill out a really quick survey for us. It really helps me out. If you can, I'd also love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you ever so much. It genuinely means a lot. I've been Seven. This has been Lost and Searching, and we will be back very soon.